a lot of people have struggled through this and just talking about it and, and throwing stuff out on the table, even if it's the most ridiculous feeling that you think you're having, you know, sometimes when you say it out loud and things start to make a little bit more sense, I guess. Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple, Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online on our Facebook page, Couple Synergy, or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experiences working with thousands of couples for nearly 20 years. Everyone says you need to work on a relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. In this episode, in honor of Veterans Day and in memory of Jean's cousin, Corporal Patrick O'Reilly, a young Marine who just recently lost his battle with his internal demons, we will be interviewing two separate combat vets. And we will be talking about their experience serving in the military and how their experience shaped who they are and how it affected their relationships. First off, we have Aaron. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate you, um, you know, being on today. And thank first you for off, your yeah, I want to thank you for your service. Thank you for yours as well, Gene. So, Aaron, maybe you could uh, you know kind of talk about how old you are right now, and you know how long did you serve in the military? How old were you when you went in, and what was your rank? Um, I first joined. I was. A couple of years out of high school, so I was almost 20 years old, and I joined up in 1993, and I was in for almost 10 years. It was it worked out to be just over nine years, and um, so yeah, it was. And I exited out as a staff sergeant in the army. How did you decide to go into the military? Well. That was an interesting part about the whole thing is I kind of grew up in a small town and, and, and that sort of thing. And most of my family was in, my, my brother was in, my grandpa, uncle, father, everybody was in the, in the service. My grandpa and my uncles were in, in the Air Force. Most of them were pilots around the, in, in World War II. And then my dad was in during the Vietnam event and then my brother was in the Gulf War and so I, I don't know I, I guess nobody really talked about it much in my family actually, nobody really talked much about anything in my family actually <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to join and I, I think there there was a few reasons I guess um, I don't know as a as a young man I, I guess part of it is you, you just want want to try to create options for yourself and you also want to do the right thing and 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 it seemed like a good idea at the time I guess and uh and I could tell where I was at I was I was working and and it just kind of wasn't 
I was actually already trying to chase down the, the stunt industry and it wasn't going as well. I was just wasn't sure on where to go, where to be, how to do it. So I just decided to kind of get out on my own and, and, and see if I can make a name for myself. So that was kind of the decision on why. And out of all the people in my family to, <clears throat> that were in the military, you think I would get some good advice. And, uh, I didn't (laughs) think the only thing my father said is he kind of said, well, you might like it. You might not. And that was the the biggest piece of advice I got. (laughs) Wow. And you know, and you know what? He's right. I might've liked it and I might not have. (laughs) Yeah. So that's how that pretty much went down. And during your 10 years, how many times were you in harm's way? Um, we were deployed three times. So, I mean, that, that's, that was a kind of, it was a long time ago, but I think the biggest, the biggest takeaway on that is it's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting thing doing that whole thing because you, you go through all the training and you go through everything and, and, uh, then you get to your, your duty station and you're, and you're there and you're, you're constantly, training and working and and everything and and uh so a big part of you kind of wants to go somewhere and do your part because you know as a, as a young man you you feel like you're doing the right thing and and that's you know part of duty and honor and respect and and so a big part of you wants to go as much as you know it's not always the you know funnest event so I don't know. And then I, I think it's a, it's a big sense of, you know, value, honor and respect, you know, by going as well and, and doing your part and being there for your, your team and your squad and your platoon and, and that whole thing. So, I mean, you know, everybody wants to do their part. So. Yeah. Otherwise it's sort of just like a dress rehearsal. You yeah. Know, where you're going yeah. through training, but you never get to actually do anything. That's, that was my experience. Mm-hmm. I never, yeah. I, I was never activated anywhere that there was conflict. And yeah. and that feels like something, you know, when, when someone says, thank you for your service and you didn't participate in that way, it doesn't feel like you did what you were supposed to do. Well, I, I don't know that it ever really does, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it kind of goes both ways. Cause I know the, the biggest part I've like coming, coming out of the military, is a, is a hard experience as well, because I, I, I don't remember, I would, I wish I could remember who said this, but the best way I've heard it termed was when you first get out, it's, it's like everyone else is speaking a different language and, and it's like, you can't talk to people or communicate with them. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. I mean, you're, it, it's almost like it's a simpler time. Everything seems a lot more cut and dry when you're, when you're overseas and you're over there because it, it, in a way it seems cut and dry because there's a clear mission and you're, you're there for your team and you, you know, you have to do your part to, you know, watch everybody's back and they watch yours. And it's just, you know, good guys, bad guys. It, it seems like it's cut and dry in that sense. And then when you get out and you're around everybody, it's, it's, and you hear everybody's ridiculous complaints in life and you're 
<laughs> you know, and you're just, I don't know. You're kind of taken back by it, I guess. You're like, wow, they're complaining about stuff that we would have never even thought to complain about. Like snow or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boy, it's cold, cold out today. Or, boy, this meal isn't that good. Well, at least you have one. You know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's just, you find yourself getting irritated very quickly. And then, you know, in my experience, the biggest part about the whole thing was the, you know, was survivor's guilt, really. Yeah. That was the, mm-hmm. the biggest demon, in my opinion, because, you know, you, you kind of get in your routines over there and your missions or whatever you're doing. If you're doing patrols, if you're, you know, every, everyone has a different experience over there. But typically, if you're, we ran a lot of patrols. So typically when you're running your patrols, different teams at different times, you know, kind of run those patrols and then, you know, you get ambushed or roadside bombs and this and that, and some of your friends aren't making it back and they just were taking the same footsteps that you took. And it, you know, it takes, it take it's hard to swallow that, you know, just like what gives you the right to, to survive and, and not them. And, and, you know, those questions over a period of time and, and when they happen often tend to kind of stay with you for a long time. And I never really, the impact of that was pretty significant. And you, you and, said uh, that that had, you know, for the first year, you know, that was the impact that you had. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first year is just, is, is the hardest. And because, you know, once you once you got deployed a few times too, it's like you, you find yourself wanting to go back for a few reasons. Like one is because you, you also want to pretty much no matter when your time's up, you're going to know people that are, their time isn't up in the military and they're going to be going and getting deployed and, and you, you know, you kind of have a, a relationship with them where your life is in their hands and their life is in your hands and you're watching out for them and so on and so on. And, and it, it's hard to kind of walk away from that for them, you know? Yeah. Did, did any, it, it seems like survivor's guilt is a very common thing for people who have been in combat um, and have survived. Did they ever talk about that? you know, in, in the VA or, you know, upon discharge or any of that? No, I, I never even really heard of it. But the the one thing, how I kind of came across it was like, it was, it was really, it was really taking a kind of a toll on me. And um, when I was, I was out, my, my grandfather passed away. And, um, so at his funeral, hearing people talk and, and as most funerals are, are, are kind of uh, how they operate is, it, you know, you see the pictures of people and this and that, and, and, you, and you kind of see a lot of different things about their life. But I think one of the disappointing parts was I, I learned a lot about my, my grandfather that I never knew at his funeral, which was also very frustrating because I wish I would have known that sooner. But one of the things that I learned was he dealt with survivor's guilt after World War II for the, for the rest of his life. I mean, he took it to his grave. It, it bothered him a lot. And I think that's a big part of the reason why he never talked about it at all. Is I mean, I think he struggled with it for the rest of his life. You know, he, he was a really good pilot in a very 
patient man. And, uh, and he did fly planes in World War II, but he was such a good pilot that and had such a good demeanor about him that they um, actually made him an instructor. And it was, it was basically, I'm going to use the term top gun school because I don't know what they called it back then. But he would train these young man, men and his pilots and, and teach them how to do different maneuvers and that type of thing, which kept him in the States and, and, and safer. But his survivor's guilt was, you know, he, he taught all these young men how to fly and they went over there. And, and as we all know, that a lot of them never made it back. And I think that that really took a toll on him. But so seeing the effects of that and how how that really changed his, you know, he took that with him to the grave and I, I didn't want that to happen to me. So I, I, once I started to realize that it's not just me, that I think that was kind of the start of, of figuring out how to deal with it that, it, that you're not the only one that's that's thinking like this, is that, you know. I think that if pe more people knew how common that, that feeling was, that I think it would be easier to deal with, you know. I never heard of it, I never even heard of the term until I really started, you know, looking into it more. Were you able to talk with the people you served about this stuff? Uh, no. Well, <clears throat> every now and then I would get some phone calls some, from some friends in the military. And um, a couple in particular would, would kind of call me when they were having a hard time. And I'd kind of have to, I'd end up, talking them off the ledge if you will uh, and that happened several times with a good friend of mine and even even talking with him I mean like you don't really get the full story of what happened but I, I know they got ambushed in Afghanistan and and uh, I think he ended up shooting a, a young girl which just happened and uh Either, either that happened or or she or a young girl died in his arms as they were trying to break contact and anyway every now and then i'd get a phone call from him and it he wasn't doing so well but it, uh you know and we we would we would talk for an hour or so and this and that and, and have a good conversation and then then it kind of wouldn't hear from him again for a while but everything i every you know he's doing he's doing well he he it's it's been a while and we haven't had one of those conversations for a while so you know there's a few people that reach out but over the years you know i've been out for for a while now and you kind of start to lose contact with a lot of your buddies you know just by being far away from each other did you ever reach out um to my to some of my friends yeah did, were you ever struggling then chose to reach out or did you keep it in? Uh, I kept it in like most do. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, I, I think I kind of reached out in a, in a, in a different way. I think I, once I started, um, realizing a, a bit more uh, of how common it was, and I, I knew I had to make some changes in my life to, to kind of just move past it. Otherwise it was going to affect more than, than just me it was gonna you know it's not easy to let stuff go sometimes you know especially very vivid things so uh i think i just kind of reached out in, in slightly 
different ways uh, as, as far as like different people. I didn't reach out to the people I served with. I, I ended up running across some fine people like yourself that I would kind of talk to. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel when your buddies would reach out to you? Was that a burden for you or, or did you welcome it? It wasn't a, it, it wasn't a burden for me. I understood it pretty well. Um, you know, it was kind of a catch 22 because part of you, like, let's say it's somebody reached out to you that you haven't heard from in a long time and they're reaching out to you at a point where, you know, where they're ready to end it right then and there. And you're, you're the last call and you don't know if that's going to be their last call, the way they're talking to you on the phone, it appears like it's going to be the last call. So you're just trying to, you know, have that conversation. Were you glad you know. they called? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Glad, that, glad they called. And then part of it is, is almost wondering, you know, you're super glad they called and that they didn't do it. But at the same time, you know, you're like, wow, I, I, you know, haven't really kept in touch with them as much as I, I wish I would have at the same time. But, you know. And that part's hard, too, because if you're going to stay in contact, you're bringing it up every time. At least yeah. in your thinking, right? Mm -hmm. And then maybe that's the reason why. Maybe sometimes it's almost easier to talk to a stranger than somebody that, that's in your life daily. Yeah. You know, I, I understand that. How, how often does that come up for you now in your life? As, as far as what? Where you come across those thoughts again and, you know, just um, kind of... I don't... Those thoughts don't really come up much. And, I mean, um, not not like that at all anymore. They... It, it comes across in different ways, like... Uh, um, like, for example, I'm probably the worst person to ever go camping with because I'm always like, turn that light off. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Be quiet. Yeah. So, um, and my wife wants to go camping all the time. And I'm like, I, I, I'm like, I'm camped out. I've done enough camping. Uh, I have no desire to go. I'm like, we have a house. I'm happy to not camp in a bed. Let's just stay in that. It sounds good. So, I mean, it, things come up like that but but as far as as those types of thoughts and and survivor's guilt and that type of thing i think i've made made some peace with with uh how things work in the bigger picture type stuff but i mean my my advice to people out there who are just getting out is just you know find some vets that have been out for a while and just pick their brain on on getting out and and the how weird it is and how strange it is, especially if you, you know, if you've been in for uh, even four years, eight years, 10 years, when you first get out, it, it's, it's frustrating coming out and then coming into the real world because, and it's, and it's aggravating at the same time. How did, uh, how did your experience affect your personal relationships? Um, well, as far as getting out, you mean? Or? Yeah, yeah. After you got out and your relationships from that point forward, it definitely affected my relationships quite a bit, um, especially 
especially my first marriage, how we all know how that went, but <laughs> that, that had a big part, part of that as well is, uh, you know, just the transition time and, and you're kind of like thrown back into what's supposed to be a, a normal life when, and you have all this other stuff coming up and, and you don't really know how to put it into words or how to, how to deal with it or cope with it. And you, you, you try to try to do, do the right thing and put yourself into work and try to push it away, but it, it doesn't really go away. It kind of sticks with you unless you start to address it. You know, part of the training in basic training is to teach you not to react, right? Not to, you know, if a bee stings you, you don't react. If you're in pain, you don't react because if you do, then you potentially give away your position and your whole platoon. And so it teaches you to shut down that part of your brain that has a natural response to running away from danger. Mm-hmm. And then you come back, and I think about this, it's so interesting. I mean, if we are taking an animal that's been wounded and putting him in a, a controlled environment and then releasing him back, we would take time with that, and we would, we would have a plan of how to reintegrate them. But when you have a human being and, you know, I was in the reserve, so I would have to go and come like civilian and, you know, military. And I hated that transition either way. If I was in the military, I hated going. But then when I was there, I loved it. And then when I came home, I hated coming home. And then I adjusted again. And and I can't even imagine like doing that so extensively. It is like a different world and a different language and a whole different thing. And you don't even have a forward thought you know you don't even have to think about what's for dinner because someone's going to feed you all those decisions are made and then you come home and you have to deal with the future in life and and i think it permanently changes you especially that reactive piece that is very essential for being in relationship especially if you don't have a partner that understands or tries to understand you know where you're coming from and what you feel and what your experiences are I imagine it'd be very difficult. Yeah. Well, I mean, it gets tricky. I'm not the best person to try to figure that out. I'm also not the best communicator to begin with. So putting things into words is not my specialty for sure. And um, so, you know, that transition for me was just kind of non-existent as far as communication. So it took me, it took me a while to figure it out. But I, I mean, I think the biggest thing is if people knew that, yeah, there's an adjustment period and you know you just have to figure that out and you have to kind of sit down and and and, you know make your goals and figure out what you're going to do and know that stuff's going to come up and 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 have some type of outlet or support network to you know to kind of push through and drive on right (laughs) so so when you say an adjustment period Everyone that we've talked to says you carry this with you the rest of your life. But the first year is the most intense. Is that what, what, what you would say? And then it gets easier or a little bit better or something different? Yeah, I would say time definitely makes it easier. Um, is one year the time or is it longer than that? I think it's different. Everyone has such a different, uh, such a different way to cope with things. And everyone's experience is so different depending on what they see or what they've been through. So, you know, 
to put an exact timeline that's going to work for everyone, I, I think is not not a good idea or it's not going to work. But I, I definitely think that over time, it makes things easier to kind of see the bigger picture of things. You know, besides talking to people, reaching out and time, are there other things that can be helpful for people? You know, I'm just thinking that we had spoken with Gene's uncle who served in uh, Vietnam and he had a passion for gymnastics and, you know, pouring his passion into that is what helped him. You know, so I was just wondering if, if, you know, the same, yeah, the physical piece or something that you have a good, you know, strong passion for, if that's helpful. Absolutely. 100%. I would agree that whatever your passions are, if you can dive into that and, and, and focus in on your, on your goals of what you want to do, that that's going to help because I, I don't, I guess I don't really understand exactly why that helps. It's just for me, the, the, the more I'm driving forward and, and pushing hard for my goals, the, the less, all that silly stuff and small stuff, you just don't sweat it as much, you know, cause even, even after you've been home for a while, little things come up and this and that. And it's, it's, I, I think it's just a matter of if you're going to focus in on it or not. And then by, by going after your goals and, and going after your passions and, and immersing yourself into that, I think you, you're not going to be, your focus changes and then you're not going to be tuned in and onto the wrong frequency, if you will. There's a book called The Body Keeps the Score, and it was a psychologist that had studied lots of PTSD in, in Vietnam vets and then throughout his life. And it's a really interesting book that really talks about, you know, that part of our brain that's really reactive to danger that we're supposed to run from. It's, it's in the oldest part of our brain, and so it is part of the, the physical symptom, physical uh, system of our body. And so I think doing physical activity does help release some of that stuff, right? Some of that, maybe those, uh, neurochemicals that come out. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I, I play on a, a couple of different hockey teams and it's just a great outlet to just smash somebody. It's just, that's the best, you know, it feels so much better. <laughs> yeah. But you know, think, we do airsoft and, and we know vets yeah. benefit from that as well. But I mean, I think another hard thing to for people is that a lot of times when you're deployed and you're overseas and stuff, you know, you you as a young man you sign up, you know, you join, you you want to do the right thing, you're you're good to the core, you're you you're all about you know service, loyalty, honor, and then when you're out over there, you find yourselves out of survival doing things that are against your values and your ethics out of pure survival. And I think that once you find yourself in that struggle of you're doing things against your own values, but you're doing them out of survival, then how to cope with that, those types of things stay with you a long time as well. And so that's another hard transition point that you have to deal with. I mean, and that, that comes along with everything, but, um, I think that's a very huge point mm -hmm. that you just made there, you know, and I think it's something that most people are unaware of, 
and those that are struggling with it, they want to keep it to themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, that's, that's another thing too. And you can tell right away when you got people coming up to you, thank you for your service and this and that and blah, 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 blah. But you don't feel that way yeah. because you, you know, some of the things that you've done out of survival that you had to do and you don't feel proud of that. And so you're kind of stuck in this torn event and that's why people don't talk about it and they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to bring it up. And you know, that, how you deal with that, how you crack that code is different for everybody. I, I don't know. Cause I know in my experience, we, we got to, I got, I was, I got up to, I was almost, uh, well, I was acting platoon sergeant for a little while on a deployment. So I was in charge of, of quite a few men. And, uh, so in our, in some of our deployments, I got to see a little bit, of the bigger picture and when you start to disagree with the bigger picture of things that also changes your viewpoint and and how you feel and then suddenly you 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 start to feel like you know maybe you're i'm gonna i'm gonna say this anyway i know a lot of people aren't gonna agree with it but maybe i'm not on the right side and that those are the kind of thoughts that are going through your head or like what why are we here what are we fighting for this doesn't make sense and the politics of it all is very disheartening once you get to a higher level. And because we've had, when we went into, into a country, we had a young lieutenant who decided to change some policies that, of things that were already working there. And, and a big part of in country is trying, you know, you try to make, friends with the locals and this and that we give him a case of water and and he kind of gives us information even though most of it's bs we give this guy uh you know um a box of mres and then in return he he gets you know he gets us information that most of it's not true but then we have a young lieutenant come in or a young and and decide that we're not doing those deals and then then for the next two weeks, we got roadside bombs almost every day and we lose 10% of our whole company in one week. So the politics of the whole thing really changes a lot. And once you kind of see that bigger picture of how things work and how stupid it is, then that makes you suddenly not want to be there anymore. I don't know. But then you're torn was- again you know, wanting to go back. Right. When you when you come off a of deployment. Yeah. Yeah. And the only reason why you want to go back is because of because yeah. your guys. Yeah. It is so an interesting then, thing when you start getting short in time and they get you and you re up and, you know, and you're like, damn, why did I do that again? Once you get back to the suck of it, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. what that's why I got out was the politics. The you politics mm-hmm. is the worst part about it, in my opinion. The I, I did believe in the honor and the serving and all of that. And then, <coughs> you know, my son was a couple years old. And I thought, am I going to leave a better world serving for my son? You know, would that be, would I leave a better world if I died and he lived? Or would I, would it be a better world for him if I didn't, if I didn't go in? And then I got out. 
it's a hard hard maneuver when you decide that you're done done yeah it is <laughs> yeah you know and i and i think a big part of it is too is you're just so conflicted with um you know all your own morals values and and you know where you're at and depending on where you've been and what you've seen as well you mix that whole thing in and then the transition period is is very difficult what what advice would you give any of those you know young men and women that are coming back and have served and you know maybe struggling out there my my biggest piece of advice would be is to if to find somebody like the two of you would and that you can talk to and just to the realization that you're not what you're going through and the feelings that you're having you know have been you're not the only one that's feeling that and, and just hearing and knowing that I think is often a, a very comforting, you know, the, the, knowing that a lot of people have struggled through this and just talking about it and, and throwing stuff out on the table, even if it's the most ridiculous feeling that you think you're having, you know, sometimes when you say it out loud and it, it, things start to make a little bit more sense, I guess. Well, Aaron, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today and, and for sharing, you know, everything that you have gone through and everything you've experienced. I, I am I am very hopeful that this will be able to help someone out there. I hope so. I'm not, I'm not often the best with words, but uh, so I'm glad people have, uh, have, you know, I'm glad you guys are out there to help because... You guys are awesome. Love you guys. And uh, I love appreciate you too. what you guys are doing. And really, thank you so much for sharing. This is such a hard thing to talk about. And that's why a lot of people don't. And I know your words are going to touch people. And if you're out there struggling, pick up the phone. Call someone. They'll be glad you called them. For all you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couples Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life, synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded edited and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.